We are currently in our sermon series, Vintage Christmas. During this sermon series, we will be looking at the old promises of the coming Christ. Well, I don't know about you, when you think about this time of year, there's so much that's made of it, and there's so much that happens, and there's the hustle, and there's the bustle, and sometimes even we can become complacent with that which is familiar to us. And what I don't want us to do this Christmas season is I don't want us to miss all that Christ has for us. And so to help us to understand what it is He's done for us, what it means to celebrate the first coming of Christ, which then will lead to His second coming. We're doing a brand new teaching series today called Vintage Christmas. And I don't know about you, but when I hear the word vintage, maybe you think like me, retro, old school, timeless, you know, things that go on and they don't lose their significance. They don't lose their style in the sense of the way in which they impact us and, and the impact that they have on us and on others as well. And so when you think about vintage Christmas, there may be, again, all kinds of things that come to your mind. But I googled some vintage, vintage Christmas items. And here's what I came across. And it was some vintage Christmas movies. And how many of you guys are, are big fans of, like, Frosty the Snowman? Show of hands, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph, right? I mean, come on. These are some, some classics, some classic movies. In fact, they were on at our home, and my son, who's five years old, still is mesmerized by these. Forget the fact that when you look at the way they were made, you're like, ah, I'm not so sure, like, this is the best technology. But for him, he was captivated by it, right? There's this timeless timeless experience that happens when you watch something like it, like these movies, and it takes you back to a point in your life, this nostalgic, what happens for us when we see movies like that, or maybe it's something else altogether for you. But that is the power of something that's vintage. It, it goes, and again, spans the, the time, and is timeless, and still impacts those who encounter it, those who watch it, those who taste it, whatever it is that we're referring to when we use the word vintage. And so what I want to help us to do this series is really to be able to have a vintage Christmas. And a vintage Christmas really is designed with getting a vision for what Christmas is all about. And so I want us to be able to answer the question, how do we experience a vintage Christmas? And I'm not talking about all the trappings per se. And nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with a great tree lighting, Christmas movies, going to New York City, all that is great. Great stuff, you know, like, like I love all that. I love watching the movie Elf, and now my son loves watching Elf, and he has a shirt with Buddy the Elf on it. He, my wife just got him and yesterday, and then he goes, see, Buddy the Elf, Buddy the Elf. So I love all that, all that stuff, making Christmas cookies, great, great stuff. But what I want us to get to is really what's the substance of Christmas? What is Christmas really about? What does it mean for us? How does it impact us? today. Because you got to remember, as we were talking about early on in our gathering today, there were 400 years of silence before God speaks to his people again. And the way in which he spoke wasn't the way in which they expected him to speak. And there's this promise that they're looking forward to. There's this promise that the Messiah, the Savior, is going to come. And 700 years before Christ comes, we're, we're told these words by the prophet Isaiah. Listen to what it says here in Isaiah 7:14. It says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, 
and you will call him, what's the word here? Emmanuel. You're going to call him Emmanuel. And as they're hearing this, and as they're being able to anticipate this promised one, this Emmanuel, God with us, which that's what it means, is they're waiting for that and longing for that. They're like, man, where are you, God? There's a lot of silent nights that they're experiencing. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of wanting to see somebody who's very kingly and who's going to overthrow the Roman Empire come in as the Jewish people were experiencing significant oppression. There's, there's this idea and this, this way that God would send a Savior or a Messiah that would be with military power and strength. And as He would come in, all of a sudden, not only the government, but also the religious leaders of that day, they're going to be put in their place. That He's going to come in that way. He's going to just show His sure power and force and might in that way. That's what they're, they're thinking. They're anticipating a Messiah, a King, to come in those ways. You know, they're thinking maybe someone's going to come, and as they come, they're going to tear everything and everyone down who is holding people down. He's going to, again, use this power, this might, this strength, or he's going to get caught up into the cultural narratives and debates of the day. And yet, the way that God shows up is he comes in the form of a baby. He comes in the unexpected. He comes near to you and to me. And what that says to us is so fitting for this year, 2021. Not just then, not just 2,000 years ago, but for us today. Because I think many of us are looking for someone to give us peace, someone to give us hope, someone to give us joy, someone to show us the way of love. And it's easy to look to a person or a thing, and God says, I'm right here, as Joey testified to. I'm right here. I'm seeking you out. I'm asking, will you seek me out? Because we're told when we seek him with all of our hearts, we're going to find him. And I want you to hear how the Gospel of Matthew records what it is that the prophet Isaiah talked about seven years, 700 years prior to Jesus coming on the scene. Listen to what happens here in Matthew 1. It says this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so when you look at this, and in this time in which Mary and Joseph are entering into the, the place of being married. We look at it as engagement, but I would say it's even deeper than that because in all intents and purposes, they were married except they hadn't consummated their marriage. They weren't living under the same roof at that point in time. And so Joseph is hearing and seeing that Mary's pregnant and he doesn't want to embarrass her. He doesn't want to shame her. He wants to divorce her quietly because he loved Mary. He loved her. And it was within his right to do this, but in that culture for a woman to be pregnant outside of coming together as what the New Testament and the Old Testament lays out as far as how a couple is supposed to come together in this way would bring not only shame, but ridicule and harm towards Mary as well. And so we start to hear that Mary's pregnant, though, through the Holy Spirit. There's this miraculous nature to this birth. 
this birth of Jesus. And I, I love this. It says the virgin will conceive, right? And we, we hear about this from the prophet Isaiah. And here's all of a sudden Mary's pregnant. And she's pregnant with the, the God-man, as he's referred to. 100% God, 100% man. It's miraculous. It blows our mind. We don't understand how it all works. This is the mysterious part of Christmas, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful to understand and to see Jesus for who he is. Well, as we continue on here, it says this, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their, what's the word here? From their what? Their sins. And so when we hear about Jesus and who he is, first of all, you hear these two characters that have a part to play in what the story is that God's unfolding. They're not the heroes of the story. We, we are, are told very clearly here, Jesus is the hero, right? But they had a part to play, just like you and I have a part to play as well in the revealing of who Jesus is to all people. But it says of Jesus that he is, again, this has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. This is of God. But his name is going to be Jesus, and he's going to save people from their sins. And you know, not only was it the Jewish people that this was referring to, this was referring to the human race. Because we need a Savior to set us free. Because sin is to walk in opposition to what it is that God has for us. To not only the things that we do that are in opposition, but the things that we don't do that he asks of us. There are the hidden motivations of our hearts and our minds. It's the disordered desires that we often have in our lives. It's taking a good thing and making it a God thing. It's saying, hey, I'm looking for this thing to satisfy what only Jesus can satisfy. And asking ourselves and looking to others to do what only Jesus could do and the expectations that only He could handle. Because He's the only one that can He's the only one that can do it. And oftentimes we're like, well, our desires are so big that Jesus could not possibly fulfill them. And I love how C.S. Lewis says, he says, it's not that our desires are too much, they're too small. <laughs> they're too small compared to what it is that Jesus has come to provide for us, each and every one of us. He's the one that's come to provide the freedom that we so desire, a right standing and a right relationship with God, to understand that we were made on purpose and for a purpose. And He is the designer of our lives. And to align our lives with Him is to experience the freedom that Jesus came to give. His name is to be Jesus because, because He will save His people from their sins. He's going to save us. Will we receive Him this season? Will we walk in His power? Even if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus... Will you allow that power that has set you free to continue to change and transform you into the likeness of Jesus? And there's a, a biblical word, a theological word for that. It's just called sanctification. To be sanctified. To be made in the likeness of Christ. Not because we're earning it or working for it. We're just responding to what it is Jesus has done for us. So as we think about this, I want to give you a couple things to consider. First is this. Who or what is your Savior? Who or what is your Savior? Like, oh, Jesus isn't my Savior. Okay, then who is? 
what is? Because the, the reality is we all turn to something. Because we have eternity written in our hearts. And so by the very nature of who we are, made in the image of God, we always look to someone or something to fill that void within us. That lo- lack of hope, that lack of peace, that only Christ himself can provide for us. But I want you to be thinking about it. Who or what is your Savior? Is it a relationship? Is it school and, your, and how you do academically? Is it your career? Is it your family? And these things in themselves are good things, right? But we can have them disordered. We can have these disordered desires. And God is saying, no, I have a way in which I desire for you to live. I want to set you free. Some of us, we're caught up in a performative nature. And so I'm only as good as what I did last time or what I've done lately. There's this performative mindset. And we can guise it as hard work, but oftentimes it's just another form of self-righteousness. And I want you to know Jesus wants to set you free from that. The heaviness and the burden and the weight of shame that you're carrying, good news, there's a Savior who's come to set you free. His name's Jesus. And as Mary and Joseph are told often throughout this story, do not be afraid. He says, do not be afraid. I want you to experience what it means to walk in reverence awe of who I am. The one who's the author and the giver of all good gifts and of the life that I've created you for. This is the invitation. So again, who or what is your Savior? Here's the second part of this. What causes us to miss Christ at Christmas? What's causing you right now to just miss Christ? Is it, is it all the to-do list that you have? Is it all the hosting and the roasting of marshmallows, right? You know, that, you know the song, right? I'm not there, all right? <laughs> what, what is it that, that in your life right now where you're just like, man, maybe it's trying to project something that you aren't or can't accomplish or do. Maybe you're taking on debt to buy gifts that you have no business buying. Because you are afraid, wait a minute, if someone sees me for who I am and what I'm unable to do, all of a sudden, I don't have the same value. What is it for you? What is it that's causing you to miss Christmas right now? And Christ in Christmas. What's causing you to miss him? Because he wants to come near to you in whatever that is in your life. Again, what causes us to miss Christ at Christmas? Because here's the truth. Jesus is the Savior we truly seek. He is truly the Savior that we seek. And I know many of us have said, hey, I've put my faith in him. I have a profession of faith that is true of my life. But I want you to know, he wants to set you free every day. He wants you to daily step into the freedom and the way of life that he's called you to. This is not just a, hey, I prayed a prayer and that's it. No, no, no. This is a way of life that he's calling us to because the same power that saved us is the same power that we need to do the day in and day out of life. You know, the hard stuff, the easy stuff, the fun stuff, the not so fun stuff, that annoying coworker, that annoying family member. You know what I'm talking about. Because he is that Savior that we truly seek. The one that fills those longings, those yearnings, the one who says of himself, I am the living water, and if you drink of me, you will never be thirsty. You'll, be never, you'll never be thirsty again, but we have to daily drink of that. We have to daily receive who he is and what he has for us. Again, Jesus is the Savior we truly seek. 
Well, it continues on and it says this. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Who's the prophet again that we heard about? Uh, what's that? Huh? Say it again. Say it with confidence. All right, all right. I want to make sure you're following along here, right? <laughs> the prophet Isaiah, right? This is what he's talking about. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, what does it mean? It means God with us. And I want you to just turn to your neighbor and say, God's with you. God's with you. He's with you. Oh, man, this is incredible news. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. And I just love the idea that Jesus would have a name tag and it says, hello, my name is God with us. <laughs> hello, my name is Emmanuel. Nice to meet you. Hey, you know, you've talked about me. You sing these songs. Hey, I'm still here and I'm still with you. And if I'm with you, I'm for you. And if I'm for you, I go before you. And he's saying, hey, I'm right here. You know, hello, my name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what does that mean? Well, it means a couple of things. God with us. And God with us through the, the sorrows and the joys of life, all the things that we experience. So God with us in our pain. God with us in our joy. God with us all seasons. God with us as we experience the brokenness of life. God with us on 22. Amen? We're having church up in here. God with us when we're, at, when we're in the office and at our offices. God with us when we are online and we're tempted to buy something we have no business buying or posting or saying something that we should not post or say it's not beneficial, it's not helpful. And you hear something that's harmful or hurtful to you. He's with you then. When you're tempted to look at something that looks like in the moment it will bring relief, but long term, it brings regret. He's with you. He's with you when he brings that stuff to your attention and says, hey, come to me. You're weary, you're heavy laden, you're burdened, and I want to give you freedom. There's forgiveness in me. Again, God with us on 22. God with us when we are in the office. God with us when we are online. And then God with us when we see brokenness, our own brokenness, and as much as we love Christmas and being with family, brokenness in our family as well, right? Because we see it. And we're part of that as well, by the way. You know, hey, hey, we're part of that family story too. When we see the needs around us, when we see the opportunities around us, and we're not sure what to make of it, because there's brokenness. There's brokenness. God's going to make clear to us how we can bring relief in those situations. That's why I love even here at Riverbend, one of the things that is a highlight and a joy to do is just to see how God is uniquely designing our community to see not only our own brokenness, which is a part of it. It starts inwardly, right? we got to look inwardly and talk to one another, but also what's going on around us and to say, God, we want to join you in that. We want to take on flesh. We want to incarnate Christ as you, Jesus, moved into the neighborhood. We want to come near to people, Jesus, as you've come near to us as you've made a way for us. So God with us. In any and every situation, God with us. Here's the good news. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God with us. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God with us. We got to declare this stuff. We got to believe this stuff. We got to hold on to the truth 
that he is with us. He's with us. Well, it continues on here in this passage. And it says this. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name. What's the name again? Hello, my name is Jesus. Hello, my name is God with us. Hello, my name is, right? He's here. And what I love about this, beyond who Jesus is, again, he's the hero of the story. I love the obedience, the radical obedience of Mary and Joseph. There's radical obedience. There's obedience that says, hey, I don't fully understand this. I know you're explaining it to me, but I don't get the miraculous. I don't know how in the world. I know you told me, I'm taking you at your word here, that the Holy Spirit caused Mary to become pregnant. I know you're telling me that. And I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. Not be afraid. I'm going to trust you in these things. I'm not going to divorce Mary. I'm going to take her as my wife. We're going to raise Jesus together. And again, I, I don't want us to miss this because like Mary and Joseph, we have a part to play in the story that God is revealing. His kingdom coming to the earth. His will being done here. This preview of a coming day when he will come back. And he'll make all things new. He'll make all things new. There will be no heartache and sadness and death. But there will be righteousness and justice. And the one who's full of grace and truth perfectly will rule and reign. And we get to join him in that if we are followers of Christ. But today we get to practice what's to come when he returns. So as we think about this, there's a couple things I want to give to you. One is this. Will you allow yourself to be aware of the God that is with you? Have you noticed that when we pray, we say something like this, and I think it's well-meaning. Jesus, we're so thankful for you. We pray that you'd be with us today. Will you be with us today? But his name is Emmanuel, God with us. So the prayer should really be, Jesus, thank you for all you've done for me. Help me to be aware of the fact that you are with us. Help me to be aware that you're right here with me in the joy, in the pain, in the sorrow, in the sadness, in the fun times. Help me to know when I'm alone and I feel like no one cares about me. Help me to know and to see and to be aware of who you are. When anxiety is having a field day with me, help me to hold on to the God who is with me. The God that is with us. Help me to be aware. Help me to see. Help me have your eyes to see the people around me as well. Again, will you allow yourself to be aware of the God that is with you? And, and the next part of this is, how will you practice the presence of God, of the God that is with you? How will you practice the presence of, that, of the God that is with you? How are you going to practice his presence? What will that look like for you in your own life? How will you purposely, purposely pull away to hear his voice? And one of the things that, we have available for you, which really goes well with this teaching series because it really looks at the Old Testament, is this book called Tidings of Comfort and Joy. It's 25 devotions leading up to Christmas. We have plenty of copies of, plenty, plenty of, copies of these books, so take as many as you want. Hand them out to friends, family members. On your way out, you can grab them. This is a great book. I've been loving it, but it's so helpful. That's one of the ways we do it. Sometimes it's being still and being silent and being quiet on our drives, turning off the radio and saying something like, 
hey, your servant's listening. Speak. Speak, God. Speak to me. Reveal to me what it is that you have for me. Sometimes it's getting outside and taking in beauty and nature. There's all kinds of ways, and I don't want to limit it to some of these suggestions. These are just some ways that we can do that. But there are many other ways that we can do it. Digging into God's Word. Communing with others. But I want you to be thinking about, again, how will you practice His presence so that you can have an awareness that He is truly with you. And then the last part of this is simply, how will you join Jesus in the work He is doing this Christmas season? Because He's at work. He's at work. In fact, we've got a couple of opportunities going on here, and they're not, again, limited to these for you to be a part of, but we, we've got an opportunity even today to serve our homeless brothers and sisters with a ministry that we partner with called Ripple. We're going to provide a meal for them, and we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. We're bringing in Christmas gifts for families in need with New Bethany Ministries. You know, these are some ways that we're doing it, but again, they're not limited, limited to this. Who are the other people in your life that you see on a regular basis that you could say, you know what, I believe that God's at work here and I'm going to intentionally take a step towards them just as Jesus has stepped towards me. How does that look for you? How could you, again, shine the hope of Christ wherever you go? But to do that, we have to have awareness to how he's working. Because again, God is with us. And not only with us, that he's come near to us, but he's with all people meaning he wants to be with them. He's available to them through the finished work of Jesus. But we are meant to be that conduit of his love and truth and grace wherever we go. And so in the midst of this season, I want to invite us to do what the, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah talked about, which is to experience again this God who's with us and to join him in the work that he's called us to, the work that he is doing in us, through us, and around us. Let's pray. Father, right now we just want to thank you for your love for us. We're grateful for the good and perfect gift that's found in Jesus. And Lord, I pray if there's any person here that needs to put their faith and trust in you, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would do that, God. Lord, I just pray that they would cross the line of faith. If they have questions, we love to answer those questions. We love to walk alongside them in the journey. And Lord, we just thank you for who this Jesus is, God with us. We thank you that we have a part to play like Mary and Joseph did. We're not the main character of the story, but you are, and we get to be a supporting cast, lifting you up like so many did that first Christmas when you came on the scene, like John the Baptist, who prepared the way of the Lord. May it be so of our church and of your church, Father, that we're preparing the way of Jesus for people to encounter and experience you this Christmas season. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.